This is the Kita Anime Podcast for April 24th, 2012, for the spring season. Her name is Coco. She is loco. I say, oh no. The show starts in three, two, one. It's time for the Kita Anime Podcast with Dito and KT Data. The Kita Anime Broadcast Podcast is brought to you by Generic Sodas. They're everywhere. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Kita Anime Podcast. <laughs> I am KT Data. And I'm Dito. Um, apparently, we broadcast and we podcast all the same time, guys. How are you guys <laughs> yes. all doing today? Um, wow, Dito. It's been like two weeks since I've actually talked to you. Yes, it has actually been two weeks. You've been avoiding me. I have not been avoiding you. I've just been fighting the plague. Yes, avoiding me. Uh, yeah, would you rather have me give you the plague? I can do that next time. I thought I was the plague. No, you're just a little bit of gout. <laughs> and quit vibrating. I'll vibrate all I want. Uh. Anyways, <laughs> for all of you guys who are watching, you're going, what in the world is going on? Well, this is a podcast Dito and I do. And what happens is we pick three animes every uh, Japanese TV season, as we dub it, where we watch three animes, we talk about them, we spoil them like crazy. Uh, Dito wanted to make sure I mentioned this. He like bolded and even changed the font size on our show notes to remind me oh, yeah. that we will spoil things left and right and... In the case of one of our animes, it doesn't really matter because it still doesn't make any sense. Uh, to you. Speaking of animes, let's just jump into our first one right now. And our first anime is Kuroko no Basuke or Kuroko's Basketball. And it's brought to you by... Tito. It's brought to you by Rooftops, because that's what megaphones are for. Oh, man. It was your read. Oh, well. This is what it says happens right when, there. KT Reed. This is what happens when sets up the template. Anyways. Um, let's give you a little basic layout of these enemies, since this is the first episode. So this one, as you can tell about the title, it's about basketball. Dito knows nothing about basketball, or, well, I don't know. Um, In 10 years, I played basketball, put um, it that way. But it's actually about a basketball team, high school basketball team, that is trying to win the inter-high championships. Who wouldn't want to win that, right? And it's about our ma- two main characters, uh, Kuroko and, uh, what's the other guy's name? Uh, Kagami. Kagami, yeah. So Kuroko is this mysterious sixth member on this amazing Generations of Miracles team. They went undefeated and won many, many in titles. In their middle school years. In their middle school years, and now it's high school, so everybody's everywhere else. And uh, Kuroko ends up in this brand new high school that's only been open for a year. And they're going for the championship. And uh, what was the other guy's name again? Kagami. He wants to... <laughs> Show notes. Show notes. Kagami Taiga. Yeah, Kagami Taiga. He's uh, from America, where we live. 
you know, mm-hmm. we invented basketball. He learned basketball. the source. Oh, yeah. Straight from the tap. That's what they say. Um, <laughs> so, um, he's actually this, we first start out, there's, you know, it's, uh, what would you say, kind of the club rush day where all the different yeah. clubs are trying to get people to sign up for their clubs. You know, like the Shogi Club is there, the Go Club's probably somewhere there, the uh, Cosplay Mon Club. Club was there. Cos- I want to find the Cosplay Club. Uh, yes, you do. Yeah, oh, yeah. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. Yeah, so, a uniform. So what happens is the basketball club's there, and they're like, come sign up for basketball, la basketball. And this tall, red-headed guy comes up and is like, I want to sign up. And uh, so they're like, whoa, he's tall and everything. He's like, I'm from America. And, you know, he signs up and everything. Um, and they walk away and they find this sheet on the table of somebody else signing up and his name is uh, Kuroko Tetsuya. And, uh, you know, it's like, I was there the whole time. They're like, what? Okay, whatever. And then then they read what school is from, which was from, uh, we didn't write down the name of the school, did we? Uh, it was, I think it was like Kaito Middle School or something like that. Um, and they're like, whoa, he's from the legendary team. He's got. He's got to. I wonder which one of the generation of miracles he is. And um, so they're all pumped and everything. And then on that, they're, uh, you know, on the first day where they're kind of having tryouts, they everybody's lining up and everything, and uh, they see this old man and like, and they see this girl here, and they're like, oh, the uh, club, uh, what is it? The club president is uh, pretty cute. And then they find out. She is the coach, actually, and it's uh, Ida Rico. Um, you know, and the funny thing is, the first thing she tells them to do is take off your shirts. Uh, also- <laughs> how, how awkward would that be? Your first day doing basketball or any sports for that matter, and your coach tells you to strip your shirt off. That's what I told you when you tried out for this co-hosting job, Beto. Yeah, and look where that got me with a shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and then, but she has this crazy ability. So she grew up with her dad, who was a professional trainer. And what happens is she has the ability to look at somebody's body and break everything down into stats and numbers because that's what we like because we're sports fans and we love numbers and everything. And I guess that's why people like watching baseball. Um, and she can tell you how well you'll perform against other people. And so she's like looking at everybody and um, all of a sudden there's just this, uh, so she looks at the, uh, at uh, Kagami and she's like, whoa, he has potential. You know, he's, he's ready to go right there. And um, then. Undefined raw talent is basically what she says. Yeah. Um, And. uh, Ito's thinking of weird things in the show notes. I don't even want to know. He's writing like notes for a doshinji or something in here. Huh? I'm worried about it. Like, Anyways, I'm just I'm just looking at your notes, dude. I'm just looking at your notes. It's yours. You have the ability to change these notes, and you did change these notes because I really don't know the terms of basketball as much <laughs> as you do. Anyways, so and then she then there's somebody that just pops up right behind her. It's like, what about me? And she turns around, it's like, what? It's this short, blue-haired kid, 
And it's like, and like she has him take off his shirt, and he looks all skinny and bony, kind of like me, with no talent. And she's like, "What?" And is like, "Are you?" And she and she's like, "Who are you?" And it's like, "Oh, I'm Coraco." And it's like, and she's like, "The one from the uh, Generation of Miracles." And he's like, "Uh, yeah." And you know, they don't know what's going on. So uh, what happens is. Uh, they end up uh, having a dramatic moment, would you say, where um, Kagami's like, I'm going to be the best player in Japan and whatnot. Um, and uh, what happens is they have a uh, scrimmage, right? Yeah, they, ha- they have a scrimmage because Dito put the notes in the wrong order. <laughs> No, they're in the right order. You're just not reading them correctly. Oh, no, no, no. Because I I swear the one-on-one match was after. (laughs) uh... No, because because, uh, Kagami and Kuroko have a one-on-one, and then it goes into the little mini-game that they play where it's them against the seniors. Um, Or, okay. Well, I guess, um, of course, for basketball, you got to practice. So Kagami... He's playing out on just some street court somewhere, and then Kuroko shows up, and the funny thing is they pump this up as like this intense equal abilities match and stuff, and then you actually see how Kuroko plays. He has no skills at all. Barely can dribble the ball. Every time he shoots, Kagami blocks him easily, and then he's like, this guy sucks! (laughs) Um, And then Kuroko's like, yeah, I know. I expected to lose against you. And I was like, then why'd you do it? Cause, and he just goes, well, I just wanted to see how good you really were. And, uh, you know, it makes you go, hmm, what does he have up his sleeve right then and there? Um, so after that, they're having another practice because sports, you got to practice. <laughs> and uh, what's her face? Uh, Ida, she says, all right, we're going to have a scrimmage game. You newbies versus the second years who, you know, they actually almost won the uh, inter-high championship in their first year of uh, being a school and competing. So they're playing, and of course, the, uh, the first years, they're getting, uh, they're getting their buzz handed to them. Let's just say that. Um, and then what happens is uh, Kuroko, he starts going around, and he's like, can you pass me the ball and everything? And then this is when it starts turning around because Kur- since nobody ever notices Koriko when he's walking around, it's the same thing on the court. Nobody ever notices him, and he becomes this expert passer because he is able to, uh, you know, kind of do a uh, shift where people don't notice him. And when they pass the ball to him, he always finds the other open guy and he passes it to them. And, you know, the team's actually starting to come back and everything. And uh, on, they on their last play of the game, you know, it's pretty much uh, even, and uh, Kuroko managed. They the the second years lose the ball, and Kuroko's going up for a wide, wide open shot. I mean, he, it's open court. It's just, <laughs> it's just him. You know, in basketball, when you're that wide open, people just expect you to score, and they don't even go chasing after you. Kuroko goes and tries for the layup, and he, he totally just misses it. Misses it entirely, and all of a sudden, uh, Kagami just comes in and just dunks it behind him. It's like this is why I hate weak people. Um, 
then it cuts to uh, Kagami eating, going to a hamburger shop, and uh, he just like gets a pile of burgers. That's the funniest thing ever. Is we're we're talking we're talking like you know for the people who could see this this big and people who can't a ton. Yeah, you know, like when it when you used to have like Wop, Wop Big Mac Mondays, and you could just like pile on. He he just had a whole ton of them. You know, talk about emptying out the dollar menu. That's essentially what he did. And um, so he sits down at this table thinking it's empty. And guess who's sitting there? Before him, mind you. Yeah, before him, too. Who do you think, Nito? I have no clue, Katie. You tell me. Um, Inori from Guilty Crown. Yes, people, <laughs> we have. No, chicken. <laughs> <laughs> She's back, baby. Um, oh, I know. Rock Lee. Oh, yeah. Rock Lee. Speaking of Rock Lee, I, I, have to, I have to play this now. Just because you mentioned that, I have to play this. <laughs> if I can find it, i got to play this right now. Just because you mentioned it. Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Where'd it go? I had it. Check your box. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, wait, wait. No, it's right here. It's here. It's right here. I think. Which one is it? <laughs> i got to find Oh, it's this one right here. Okay. All right. No, we're not covering the rock. We are not doing the Rockley anime. You guys had your chance, but nobody emailed us. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they sit down and Coracle, he's just sitting there sipping on a shake. And then Kagami's like, where did you come from? It's like, I've been here the whole time. It's like, what are you doing here? I like the milkshakes. The vanilla shakes. Yes, the vanilla shakes. He the likes most. vanilla. He likes to be plain. That's the same way Dito likes his girls. No. <laughs> um, so, you know, they're just eating their burger there. And then uh, Kagami throws him a burger. And after they're done, they're walking home. And uh, <clears throat> Kuroko's like, why are you, why'd you join the basketball team? And Kagami's like, I want to, you know, I love playing basketball but i don't want to take it i want to take it to the next level from just this amateur stuff that i see around you know japan's week and i want to become the best player in japan and uh kuroko says well and or actually then kagami asks it's like if i played against the generation of miracles right now how well would i do and he's like well to tell you the truth they'd demolish you (laughs) um your current skill level you wouldn't even reach their feet yeah, um, and then he's like, but I've decided I'm going to help you become the best player in Japan. Um, yeah, the the way he puts it is that he is a shadow, and the stronger the light, the darker the shadow. So since he, since uh, Kagami is pretty much the light, that means he's going to be a very efficient shadow to Kagami. Yeah, um, so then it cuts to the... Uh, Next episode, and you actually see uh, Kagami practicing, and he's like pumped. It, it's a totally different demeanor from next time. And he's like, "I'm I'm gonna go play against these guys. I want to I want to I want to play against them. I want to beat them." Type, you know, he's pumped for it, and uh, he sees some of the second years actually on the team or in the hall at school because of course this is a high school, right? Let's not forget about mm-hmm. that. Um, 
and he and he's like, "All right, I'm I'm on the team, right?" Like, well, officially, you're still a trial member. You need to go uh, turn in a uh, registration or a or an application to the team. And uh, so, what Ida does first. I thought this was awesome. Is she's looking at the player stats, and it's on a red PSP. I was like, I want that game or that app that she got. That's freaking awesome. <laughs> it's because she has she has this like weird. I, I don't know what to call it, a fetish or whatnot, but it's also she really likes to cultivate talents. That's a, like her thing. She likes to give everybody potential, Dito. Just like this podcast, it has potential, but we drag it down. Um, <laughs> Mostly me. So, no, it's me. It's all me. There's a reason why we're recording at 10 p.m. at night. Uh, and it's not you. Because um, I wait around for you. Exactly. <laughs> we know Anyways. who's the talent, and it's not me. Um, Definitely not me either. It's somebody. It's all about this game. It's all about this game, this PSP that gives the talent that we are lacking yes the red psp um but then she's like all right she's she's like oh you're 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 the second one today to ask and he's like what who was the other one and, and it cuts the cutscene of kuroko just like popping out of nowhere because that's what he does is just pop out of nowhere and um, it's like dang it he beat me there and she's like but i'm only gonna accept it at 8 40 a.m tomorrow on top of the uh on Monday. Building. Yeah, on Monday. And what it turns out to be is that it's like five minutes before the school-wide assembly, so everybody's lined out outside, and she's like, all right, so for me to accept your application, you have to go out there, yell out your name, your year, your class, and what your ambitions are for the, for the basketball team. And the guy's like, can I yell out I want a girlfriend? She's like, No! <laughs> Denied. <laughs> um, so of course Kagami goes first and he's like he says his name, his year and everything, and it's like, I want to beat the generation of miracles, and everybody's like, What? Um And the second guy goes, Oh, I got one, and he goes up and he starts telling his life story about basketball. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a monologue of good two minutes or so. Yeah. <laughs> and then Ida just like kicks him, and the other guy's like can I say I want a girlfriend? And I'm like, no! So, so instead, he puts this, like, like a roundabout route of saying he wants one by yeah. becoming, the uh, like, the best player in Japan as well. Yeah. Um, and then, all of a sudden, Kuroko pops out of nowhere again. And he's like, uh, I'm not really good at public speaking, so can I use this? And he pulls out a megaphone. And we're, everybody's going... Where in the world did you get that from? Yeah, I was still like, there's no way he could have had that with him the entire time, could he? I don't know. Maybe he carries it in a school bag. I need to start carrying a megaphone in my school bag now. Yes, you do. If I still yes, went to school. Um, so right about when he's going to do it, the principal comes up. It's like, you guys are getting the basketball club. You told me you wouldn't do it again this year. And so he doesn't he, – like, he wasn't able to announce what he's out um, – and of course, after school, we go back to Kagami's favorite hangout place, which would be the burger shop. Yeah, 
<laughs> and guess With who's a there? mountain of burgers again. Oh, uh, yeah, again, and guess where he sits down? Um, let's see. I don't know. Right where Kuroko is sipping on his vanilla shake. Um, and this time, uh, Kagami, he actually asked, so why didn't you actually go to a better school than this? Because, you know, in basketball, it's all about the program. The longer the program's been there and the more successful they've had a previous track record, they think that's actually a better school to go to. And he's like, why Why didn't you go to one of those better schools? And uh, Kuroko says, well, in the Generation of Miracles Middle School team, the the uh, the uh, one idea was winning is everything. So it doesn't matter what you do as long as you win. And it was uh, about you know kind of making those Kobe Bryant's, those Michael Jordans, you know, the superstars of a basketball team. You know, just one player. So it's more individualistic. It's not really about a team. And uh, so. And he said, I don't didn't want to do that. I didn't want to just be the one guy. I wanted to be more of a team sport like it's supposed to be. I mean, there are five guys on the court from each team. Um, so they discover that. And then so they go to the locker room. Ooh, locker room scene. No, no. Uh, <laughs> um, and, KT, do you have something you want to say? I don't know. No. No. <laughs> I was just trying to entice more of the viewers. You know, if we if we say keywords in the podcast like locker room scene and like steamy, I don't know. <laughs> Isn't that how you do it so people will start watching? No. Okay. That's I'm not a marketer. Like Google that's Google search words. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll start putting that in our descriptions. Do it. <laughs> locker room scene. Steamy. <laughs> um, so, um, one of the guys comes in and is like, oh, it looks like we have a practice game, but the coach is skipping. And then one of the second years is like, oh, crap. And they're like, why? Well, if the coach is skipping, that means she managed to get a scrimmage game with a pretty good school <laughs> out there. Um, and then, uh, so... They're like all worried, like, you you better worry. This is going to give us a run for our money right there. Um, and it turns out their basketball practice game is against uh, Kaijo High School, which just happened to be where one of the, one of the uh, Generation of Miracles ended up at. Um, Kisei Ryota. Because, you know, got lazy and didn't want to write Generations of Miracles anymore. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really don't. I just call him the G-O-M. Um, so they're they're at practice, and then all of a sudden they, they see this like huge crowd of girls at the end of the court where where the stage is, and they're like, "What's going on over there?" And it turns out that it's Kisei. He's uh, at Saren, and he just, he's he's and they're like, "What are you doing here?" And it's like, "Well, since I heard our first practice game was against you guys, I wanted to come say hi to uh, Koroko." Um, and you know. Kuroko and Kisei, they're kind of having a back-and-forth type thing. Um, and then all of a sudden, a basketball just comes flying full full force at Kisei, and he catches it with one hand. And uh, Kagami's like, I challenge you to a one-on-one game right now. Um, and then what happens is, Kisei, he's in a suit, too, might I add. 
Because apparently his side job is working as a model. Okay. Um, so what happens is uh, when they're playing, Kisei actually copies a move that uh, Kagami just like barely did in the scrimmage right before. And he and the thing is that uh, Kagami, he's, he almost is able to block it, but Kisei totally overpowers him when he dunks the ball. <laughs> and uh, Kisei's like, oh, holy crap. And uh, so Kisei... It's like, man, I'm kind of disappointed. And he goes to Kuroko's like, come play with us. You don't want to waste your talents with this kind of weak team right here. And uh, Kuroko's like, no, I don't think so. I I think I'm going to stay here. because." And he's like, why? It's like, because we're going to become the best team in Japan. And, uh, you know, so, and then uh, Kagami's like, Kuroko, why are you saying the things that I'm going to say? And that, that ends the episode right there. And I... We're only two episodes in. Haven't played like an official match yet against another team. We've only had scrimmages, and I am so pumped for this anime. It's ridiculous. I can't wait to see. For all those who can't actually tell the tone of of KT's voice, <laughs> he is thoroughly excited. I know. I ah, oh, I'm so excited. I want to watch more basketball animes. Like I'm tempted to go back and start watching Slam Dunk again. All 101 episodes of those. Ah, oh, I oh man, Oh. Speaking of going back and watching stuff, what's up with your chat room? I don't know. JTV broke it. But, you know what? So, basketball is one of my passions. And then Dito, he likes to... He, guns. I would say guns is probably one of your passions, wouldn't you say, Dito? No, not one of my passions, but it is a good hobby. Yeah, so, it's a good lead-in, though, for our next anime. We have and our next anime is German Gun, and it's brought to you by Intentionally Grainy Video. It doesn't compress well. Do you even know what you just said, Dito? You explained it earlier, but <laughs> yes. Oh, all right. So, okay, other so than this, having the worst name to say is pretty much just about arms. You know, arms dealers, black market, and international warfare. Uh, we come across our one of our main characters, uh, Coco. I'm going to probably slaughter this because I even tried saying it. But it's a, a Coco Hai... <laughs> Hekamatar. Oh, what are you doing? <laughs> You're distracting me. Yeah, Hekamatar. Um, she's actually a pretty young arms dealer and ends up recruiting a younger boy named Johan. And I wouldn't say he's probably even... Probably 13, 14 maybe. I wouldn't even say that. Maybe 12. Yeah, he, maybe he's really 12. Young. I mean, he's, he's actually really young. Really young but... Um, Johan is actually from, like, he's grown up with the arms and everything. So his family, I guess, was arms dealers before. But during, like, a past incident, they he just hates them now because he believes, like, the arms dealers are the ones who are really the problem itself. But he is very damn good with guns. Um, anyways, when uh, Coco was introducing Johan 
to the rest of the group, which are eight people right now, which she makes the ninth member. She just gives him a gun and kind of says, you know, pops in there. He's like, hey, everybody, and like slams the door into one guy's face. It's just like, wow. Yeah, he's like in the middle of like sipping something too. (laughs) Yeah. And the first thing they do is they're like going, it's a kid soldier. He has iron. Oh, crap. (laughs) It was really funny just to see like. You would assume like these hardcore gunmen and everything who are mercenaries for, you know, black market dealing and they're scared of a kid with a gun. <laughs> Wouldn't you be scared of a kid with a gun? Well, yeah, actually, if you look at him, you know, Johan is complete white hair, white eyes, red eyes, I might say, actually looks a lot like Coco, but I don't think they're related. <laughs> Anyways, they're, his first mission is to get back the stuff that was uh, com- that was held by the customs agencies that of Wherever upgrades to one of their um, one of their air force um, air force missiles and uh, guidance systems. So they're calling the this is like what Johan's first like introductory mission, kind of like if you screw this up, you're basically gone. Anyways. Um, yeah, anyway, so they're driving to their location right there, and, you know, um, Johan, he doesn't talk much at all. Hardly ever talks. And, uh, Coco, she's, she's trying, this is not Coco's kitchen, by the way. Um, she's, she's trying to, she's trying to, uh, you know, start a conversation with him and stuff, and he won't say anything. He's like, I don't like to talk. Um, and all of a sudden he asks her, so what do you do when people are tailing you? She's like, well, shoot first and ask never. So all of a sudden, <laughs> Johan, he just jumps into the sunroof and starts unloading an automatic weapon against two cars that have been tailing him for a while. Yeah, the greatest part is, too, you have two members also following the car behind him. And they're just like, oh, he's shooting. It's like, what is he doing? <laughs> And Coco was just sitting there going like, holy crap, what are you doing? Like, if you're going to shoot, let me know. You scare the crap out of me. And all he's doing is just like, there's a, two guys in masks just tailing him. He just, he takes both of them out. Then there is this other like Humvee that pulls up and everything called the Baxter Six. That is um, a part of the group that the agency's trying, like the... I want to say the agency itself, but no, it's the custom agency is trying to prevent them getting this, their weapons back. And as they, they have like a javelin missile, the anti-tank javelin missile, which is known as the FGM 148 javelin to shoot at their car because, you know, it's bulletproof. Uh, Johan is just kind of like, lets them know there's anti-tank coming and he throws a grenade out that just at the right moment as the missile, comes by there and diverts the missile but as he tries to reload and shoot him again johan just gets like a nice square to the head shots the the fire mechanism to the the javelin gets put right down into the humvee and blows it up yeah um the funny thing is like she's like well they got 12 seconds to reload and it's like don't worry i got this i got this <laughs> that's essentially what he said and um you know, and so they go and get the stuff in the warehouse, and the the weird thing is that, you know, apparently it's common knowledge that Johan doesn't like guns, 
And so, she, um, Coco's well, Coco's looked into uh, Johan's past and everything. He knows where he grows up, what he's did, how many places he's been, and the reason why he's been exiled apparently from these areas. So he Coco tells him to follow her. He he will learn to accept guns because if you were to take out, like try to kill her to get back to the arms dealers, her men, regardless of how like goofy they look and everything are very well skilled and could actually you know, give him a run for his money despite his actual skill. So he just, he, essentially he's just going to be following them is what he says. You know, I was like, I'm just following with these arms dealers and he learns, he learns from them actually. Yeah. And it, it's, it's crazy that, uh, what happens is after they get back, this, I don't know why they put these, the, the weird thing about this show is the animation style, the tone, the colors, they're all muted, you know, kind of more of a, a serious feel. And all of a sudden in this episode, you, uh, see Coco just sleepwalking and walking around and just like falling on top of the other mercenaries and everything. And they're just walking around and, uh, Co- and, uh, Yonas, he's trying to talk with one of the other guys, like one of the more experienced guys. And he's trying to explain stuff. And then all of a sudden Coco just walks out half dressed, like sleepwalking and he can't say anything. <laughs> and then all he says, He's trying to explain like you know the skill of their forces and like all this stuff, and like as soon as she walks out, he's like trying to explain what's so skilled, and he's just kind of like, "Coco, the restroom is that way." <laughs> he just kind of like just like, wanders what? back through. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was it was something you know, I wasn't really expecting from the show because it has a very serious tone about it, and had it had some slight humor with it too, but. Not, I was not expecting that. <laughs> yeah, and then all of a sudden they get a uh, new mission that uh, it looks like I don't even know where they are for this mission to be honest with you because they don't really say. Um, but wherever they are, is the country's trying to get in some uh, Emma Mill twenty four D helicopters or the Hind D, um, and uh, they don't want those helicopters in because that's like the. Uh, Whoever they they stole the other parts from, trying to interfere. So well, it's like their their organization is you know known as like kind of the muscle of the area itself, and they are learning of their plans. So they're trying to get in on the plans too, so they can reap the benefits if they were to just be able to stand on par with them. And with these helicopters, they can actually stand. They would actually kind of be on par with them but the headquarters informed uh, coco and his and their crew that well if she f- kind of fails they're gonna cut her pay and that's the reason why she's you know, really trying and to stop them like, i don't want my pay cuts um yeah. and it was great too because if you know if you've seen like like your stereotypical animes whenever someone throws a tam- uh, temper and everything they kind of like start rolling around and everything she does that like right on the table and, and everybody's <laughs> like oh there she goes again yeah the best part yeah, the best part was like one of the members is like uh coco if you keep that up you might break your arm or something and then things get really hairy and she's like don't worry i got a plan <laughs> so 
and this is the greatest thing too, is because they know that the the CK Corson is an independent arms dealer who is dealing with the government of this country, and like the military government of this country, trying to get him these parts or these uh, the helicopters, the Hindis. Um, Coco's uh, team is to go and try to negotiate. Like uh, two of their team is to negotiate with the general or the colonel. Sorry. Um, then there's a group of five of them, or yeah, a group of five who are to be hunters, you will. And then Coco and Johan are to go to, to try to negotiate with uh, Kurosin. And it's actually, let's see, Lem, Hugo, Lowell's, Mao are the actual hunters. They seem really happy did, about doing did you just this. Say too. Lulz? Hmm? I think you just said Lowell's. Lutz. Yeah, I said lulz, didn't I say? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you said lulz. <laughs> yeah sorry. Lutz. Uh, it was that. because it's L U T Z. Uh, so, yes. Yeah. Uh, I actually wrote that in just so everyone knows. <laughs> oh, do you know? Do you know? But, anyways, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> anyways, back so, to the anime. Coco is trying to. Coco gives uh, Johan another gun, and he's like, I already have one, and she tells him to keep it as a spare. Um, the the cover is that Johan is Coco's little brother, and to by any means do not pull anything until she gives the word. And that makes sense too, because when they're trying to talk with Akurison, um, he kind of mentions about what they're like. It's not very nice to interfere, uh, Coco antagonizes him a little to piss him off enough to where she is nailed with a coffee pot where Johan draws his gun and basically is about to shoot him in the nuts. Um, That's when she tells him to stop and and notifies him that it's because well, he actually just mentions like it would be not very wise because I have snipers. And which makes sense because I think Coco notices that and is why she uh, stops him. After most more negotiating with itself, it seems that they are with now the two members who are with the defense agency trying to talk to him. And yeah, it's really fun to see this that the actual reason why then they were hunting these five members are hunting actually take out the snipers. At that point, they also the, the deal with the colonel goes sour as well, and they were to force the deal to turn towards them, actually, which is the is it HLIC, isn't it? Uh, or HCIL? It's four words. HC. HL, I think. I, uh, think so. yeah. Or HL? Yeah, I didn't write that down. It's their actual uh, company. And it's funny so how they got, weapon smugglers have yeah. their own company. <laughs> And it's their it's the actual <laughs> company they work for, and so and everything's said and done, it seems like that Kurison kind of panics there for a bit and was about to, I guess, draw his weapon. And sure enough, Johan comes there and actually and beats him to the draw and shoots him in the head. Yeah, but because of this too, you know, Coco does have a slight cut in her head, and that's pretty much where it ends. Coco just kind of like jumps on Johan and just he just kind of walks away when she has a big bloody face. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, "Eh." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it seems like the welcoming committee cuz he did a well job uh, job well done. The welcoming committee 
makes him cook eggs and only eggs for dinner. Even though for dinner, some, and, even though there's some bacon there, I saw the, some bacon. Yeah, he had, there was a bacon. I don't know who cooked that. I don't know. But Johan bacon sucks at cooking. He yeah. pretty much killed everybody. Yeah, at the end, everybody's just all passive, like this is disgusting. And then Johan's just there. Yum. He doesn't, he doesn't Yum. seem to mind. That's pretty much like the first episode. It brings you into this this whole series, and and the next series they just pop in there and. It seems like they're out in the middle of nowhere, being uh, escorting out some more uh, car, uh, convoy for their own, you know, trying to get to one place or another, and they're being escorted by some local uh, militants in the area where they happen to hit a landmine, and they seem to have run into another conflict in this particular area. And I don't even know where they are. I wish they would get it's, better locations I know, <laughs> where it, they are. I think it's somewhere in the middle of Russia or something on this one. But the thing is that yeah. there's no cell reception. Her satellite phone doesn't work, and so they they can't contact headquarters or anything at all. And what happens is after the landmine goes off, one of the guys gives uh, Coco some binoculars, and he just shows them like there's a GSM tower that got blew that got blown up. Like any kind of communications tower was just totally blown up. Yeah, he, his uh, name is Rem, and apparently he yeah. just like deduces this just all from just getting out there, looks over the where the smoky area is, which is probably a good what mile and a half away. Yeah. Um, and it, it the only thing around is just that small town that's near this oil pipeline, I guess. And uh, so it looks like that's where they're actually delivering their uh, supplies. And I, for, I forgot what they brought. It, it was not Stinger missiles, no, but... No, that was the other guy. Um, yeah. Anti-air. Yeah, that's, I, that's what they brought. Anti-air guns. Um, oh, anti-air missiles. They're anti-air yeah, missiles. Missiles. Um, and so what happens is, so they're talking about Major Polak, and she's like, oh, okay, he signed the contract. Now he's going to ask for more stuff. And then all of a sudden, some, this uh, other mercenary walks up, and they look. They're like Coco, it's you, and they're like all friendly and whatnot. And it, yeah, like, it was uh, Mildred and Lou. Yeah, <laughs> and apparently, after Coco realized that they're there, she kind of looks at him like, "If you're here, that means." Oh, and this other really interesting guy comes up, named Mister Crew or Curry. Of the British CCAT, whatever that means, I which is it's a, it, I guess it's another. Like, I don't even know what CCAT means to be honest, but I think it's like another like arms fat, yeah. another arms dealers out of Britain. So yeah, if you guys know keytalkktdata.net, um, you go. So. Anyways, um, Coco already kind of that figured out that because of what's going on here and. She, they're trying to bring her into the conflict and get more guns, more everything. And in this case, so is Mr. Curry kind of says, yeah, she has a radar that you're looking for because theirs was uh, taken out in the bombing in the area. And she refuses, like outright refuses that she wants to get involved in this. But then they pretty much pull guns on him saying like, you're going to help us. Or else, and that's and that's where everything te- seems to kind of uh, hit the like 
you know, hits the fan pretty hard. Yeah. Now, so Coco kind of says, like, you know, let's not, let's not, oh, <laughs> I can't really explain how she says, but let's not try to shoot each other right now because that's just going to get messy. So she pretty much acts like she accepts the deal, tells them all, let's go and everything. And outright just says, no, we're just going to act like accept the deal and hightail it out of here. But I think Pollock kind of, like Major Pollock saw through that. So she, uh, he sends two of his best men to escort him up the mountain ridge where she can actually make contact to Makes see if she can uh, transport in the radar for him. Um, yeah, and so they're, they're over there and um, what happens is before they even make a call, they... They see a uh, hind helicopter helicopter come in, which is a a, a Mi twenty four V, a hind E. I'm not that big of a helicopter buff, so if I say any of these wrong, please forgive me. <laughs> and uh, yeah, essentially, it's actually a it's the Russian helicopters in the area, and with these ones, they come equipped with well, they're known as a flying death with infrared cameras, night vision sensors. And that's pretty much very bad, and it will mow your soldiers down. What they noticed is this: the missiles were fired at it and missed because that there were singers bought off of Mr. Curry. And at this point, we Coco runs into another uh, member who is a part of the the army that um, Pollock has. Let's him know that you know you may want to pull your forces out of here because these helicopters are going to waste you. Yeah, it's like you're just just a glowing dot they can shoot at right now, um, and the guy doesn't really listen. And but like the at, even at this point is like Coco, she's just like drolling out all the specs for for everything on there. And it's like oh, and they replace the stock lens with a more wide angle third party lens, and every, and you know kind of like. When you get those car buffs that tell you what they did for the car exactly, she just starts strolling that off on military vehicles. Yeah. Right there. And she does it with a smile on her face while they're being attacked. Yeah. Um, so. So. Yeah. They end up going back up to the car and everything because they are able to receive signal at this point. She's trying to get a hold of her, her, you know, brokers, if you will. And essentially what it was she was doing is getting a hold of her other two teammates in the area to try to get away from them. And they actually do. But in Mr. Curry's case, their, her, like his two bodyguards, so to speak, kills their leash holders. Yeah, like and it's told, I, I almost didn't even catch it because it was right after the commercial break. But, and all of a sudden you just see this guy getting sliced in half. And you see the uh, other lady just, like, chop him down. And Mr. Curry's like, what are you doing? Yeah, she, he, <laughs> just goes, like, he just basically blows a vein on him, just calls her, like, military nut, war freak, and just goes, like, all this stuff. And like, you just destroyed my plans. And you know, she, she's just laughing, having a great time, just kind of like, this is why he's our boss. Yeah. Um, but in, in Kuriko's case, they're they're walking down this um, – this, Road this mountain path or whatnot, and she's on the phone. And she, they keep like the two guys are there asking, like, 
like what's taking so long he's and she's just like i'm trying to get the location of where it's going to be and it's actually two of her men um jump out of the trees and everything and just subdue them and she's like yeah tie them up and gag that one over there because he's an idiot yeah it's like gag that other one too he's an idiot too <laughs> Uh, that was great too. It yeah. just shows that because one of them is an like antagonizer, like the like ten minutes after they got in on the trip. <laughs> yeah. Um and then the funny thing is they they all end up in this uh what is it? some kind of factory where Mr. Curry like, is just hiding like there. a like a small warehouse. Like just yeah. basically just meet up in like a small warehouse by chance. Yeah. By chance. <laughs> by chance. And then all of a sudden uh Mildred and Valment, they're just like they're getting so. Um, I think it's. Mildred. They need to, they need she, two scouts. Yeah. They need to get two scouts in the area, and so uh, Kirko sends Valmond and uh, Mil and Mildred out there. She's just kind of like, can, "Can you please go?" She's like, "Sure," but uh, Mildred has this thing. Like, I guess she's known uh, Valmond for a while too. So they go out there, and Valmond and Mildred decided to. Have a little duel. The funny thing is, too, is that even though Mildred antagonized the whole thing, she gets her ass handed to her. Yeah. She has like these two machetes on her, and uh, Mildred is, uh, or. She has like four. Yeah. I, I've counted four at least. And then Valmont just has this knife, just this normal uh, standard issue knife, and she just totally owns the girl. Um, and then all of a sudden they go scouting after that, which is. It's kind of weird. Um, and then, so they get back to the factory, and then they're like, we're surrounded right now by the, uh, by, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, Pollock. Pol- Pollock's army. Uh, Pollock's forces. Yeah. And uh, so what Coco says is like, we're the bigger group, so we'll try to hold them off so you guys maybe have a chance. So we'll go on ahead. And so they're yeah. all standing. Was, this out. is the greatest yeah. scene. I, this is probably one of the greatest scenes. I was kind of expecting like a shootout and everything because you know, obviously, Coco probably has the better team in the end. It's like they're all in front and everything. They're all ready to go. And even though that they they know it's like that's a small force, but we're heavily surrounded. She just kind of is like, drop your arms, you know, remove your magazine, fold your stocks, and she's just like, we are the bigger team. Your team of three are inside, and they just like go past them. And she, and it was like the funniest thing too. Yeah. Is Mildred's laughing her ass off while the like Curry is like going crap, 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 crap. Pulls out his P his P ninety and just yeah. goes off on them. They're, like his dual P ninety. I noticed he had two dual P nineties. I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> um. So and then everybody else just runs away. Oh, they're M ninety. Sorry, it's like P nineties is the airsoft version. I just, yeah, I, t- I totally botched that for all those. No, you know, as they get the M90s. No, they're P90s. I that, thought they're M90s no, because that, that's the, the F. It's the Fabric National P90. Yes. Okay. I yeah, I, I just I, remember I, that I, they are the UN's um, standard issues. Yeah, I know this for a fact. They they're actually the standard issue weapons on Stargate SG1 too. Um, there you go. Yeah. There you go. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, We're that, nerds. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can tell you their gun progression as the show goes on because I'm a I'm yeah. a huge Stargate fan. Um, so everybody's running. So Coco's team's running away, and then Jonah he's just he starts laughing, and everybody's like, "What's going on?" It's like he's like, "This is the first time I've been on a battlefield, and I have not fired a single bullet." <laughs> and uh, 
<laughs> and this is where she this is one of the funny well, there were everyone actually got this joke but johan it was that next time you can uh where did i put that right there next to where he's laughing row 74 yeah. oh yeah <laughs> And this is this is what she says to prepare to fire barrel or fire your gun until your barrel glows and everyone just starts laughing too because he didn't really get it. Essentially, next time he'll just they'll get into a situation where you'll have to fire until you have no more ammo. Yeah, and then uh, what happens is then it cuts to an airport scene or a customs line. And uh, you see Coco, and it shows a news report saying that that pipeline, the siege ended all of a sudden. And she's like, oh, it only took one day. And as she's walking to get her to catch her plane or something, all of a sudden you see Mr. Curry and, like, the two assassins over there just like, oh, we made it. And they're, they're, like, dressed in civilian clothes, too. And um, so it looks like we will see more of Mr. Curry. Yes. Yeah. But – because of the – for anyone who's watching the show, watch the next episode and listen to this music. Yeah. So like at, at all the episode previews, all of a sudden it just goes, her name is Coco. She is Loco. I say no, no. <laughs> um, yes. I don't know why. Like, it's catchy too. That's the problem. It's super it catchy. Is. And uh, I'll, re- I'll have to remember to capture that for the next episode. Um and so I'm excited to see this. Uh, I, other than the fact that none of us can pronounce the name of this anime, I'm I'm really excited to see what's going to happen because all these characters, there's so much backstory that everybody in the anime seems to know, but we don't know. So they're going to have to uncover that. Yeah, and the greatest part about this show is that I have this like full metal panic feel to it without Mecha. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, that's the first thing I thought of after getting to the second episode is that this reminds me a lot of Full Metal Panic, but without mechs <laughs> and a little bit more darker people. Yeah. All right. So our next anime is this one right here, and it makes no sense. And our next anime is Koriwa Zombie Desuka of the Dead. And it's brought to you by Hallucinations. Comes in all colors of the rainbow. Um, so, warning. Our protagonist, he's a zombie. So don't try this at home. Um, what's funny is this. This is, so, the full name is Koriwa Zombie Desuka of the Dead. Because this is season two. The first season is Koriwa Zombie Desuka. So, um, just to give you a little background, our main character, like I said, he's a zombie that a necromancer revived. And there's a ninja ninja that wants the necromancer to go help her do something. So she's living with him. Vampire ninja. Yeah, there's a vampire ninja. And in the second episode of the first season, or the first episode of the first season, um, you get a Mahalo Shoujo named Haruka. Yeah. And uh, that's actually a Japanese play on words. So imagine a magical girl that just happens to have a chainsaw that transforms her, which also transforms our main character into 
a uh, into a zombie magical girl too. Cross-dressing zombie. Oh yeah. Yes. Uh, how it works is that for anyone who's have watched the first season knows that uh, Ayumu is no Ayakawa. I guess we would have to call him right now. Is you know he's not really your stereotypical zombie. You know he's more like immortal, if you will. You know he can put his body limbs back together itself and kind of regenerate. Yeah. He doesn't but, go around brains. No, no. Yeah. He, he pretty just, much lives just like a high school kid. Yeah. The only real difference is, is that um, for all those who him. really know about the human body itself is that the human body limits us to only be able to exert so much strength out there because if we use it the full power of bodies, we will destroy our own bodies. For because he's a zombie, those limitations don't apply to him, so he can he can become really really strong. Yeah. Not to mention, he also can be a ma- he's also a maho shojo. Yeah. There's only one limitation though. As a zombie, you tend to dry out, and that's what yeah. happens often to him when he's at school because his desk happens to be right next to the window. And you know how hot um, it gets in Japan. Exactly. Yeah. So we start out with this, and he gets escorted to the nurse's office to take his nap, where he finds a mysterious uh, young girl raiding the medicine cabinet. And she just yells out, Ethel, no, 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 I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not looking for ethyl alcohol, and she just runs off with these bottles. And if you guys don't know what ethyl alcohol is, is it's actually the alcohol you find in most of your alcoholic beverages, hence the alcohol. Um, um, it's also known as ethanol. And so that's what she's looking for, and uh, it becomes a recurring theme that she's this uh, drunk, magical fairy <laughs> that likes squid, fried squid. <laughs> yes. So after uh, Ayumu decides to go or gets home and everything, he starts, talks to the rest of you know his gang at home, and they all think they all played off like he's an idiot, like they usually do, because whatever he talks about, they just spout as he's just talking nonsense. And at this point, Aikawa has this really weird thing because, you know, Yu doesn't talk. Now, because yeah. if you remember the first episode, whenever she says stuff like that, it actually portrays her words and feelings into power and emotion or power of emotion into power. So she tends to be very emotional. But he images her talking like various uh, people but in this case itself they use cvs or voice actors from that that is not her actual voice displaying things that he wants to see and i've been trying to keep in track of each person like who does these voices like in this case it's uh, manami omi is who does the voice acting for her in this particular scene um, yeah, it's crazy because every time it cuts off, you'll you'll just see her talking, and then all of a sudden it pops up this scrolling text, and it shows you who the voice actress is yeah. on there. Um, it's it's entertaining. It's been going yeah. since the first season too, yeah, so if you kind, are familiar with this, yeah. it's kind of a running gag on there. Um, so again, uh, he's at school, and then guess what happens again? He dries up yet again. Um, so. They uh, how they how they get him out this time? Uh, uh, they didn't really show me. Like it's yeah. also a reoccurring gag too. Every time that they show like the end of class, something like that, he's always dried up or something. Yeah. But uh, Tomoe, which in the first episode obviously ends up believing that she is 
Ayumu's wife. So she comes in to bring him his lunch. But at the same time, too, Haruka also cooks a box full of you know, fried eggs as well. And have you noticed those eggs are like golden? They always look like they're made out of gold. Always. They're like they're, always. There are these like world amazing eggs, and that's the only thing she knows how to cook is eggs. <laughs> so he, he's like, um, so yeah, I don't, I don't even know. And then uh, so <laughs> to, tomorrow. Gives him her box or gives him a box lunch, and he looks at like, oh, it's great and everything too. But then momently, momentarily, just stops and like grabs her wrist and everything. He's like, it'd be better if you don't put all those condiments on. She has like probably a good eight or nine condiments in her hands. Yeah. She's like, but this gives it the flavor. I know. So it's it's kind of like a traditional Japanese box lunch, and she has like ketchup, mustard, and like relish and Mayo. stuff. <laughs> I, I couldn't even name it all off because yeah. it's like every single gap of her hands had one a condiment. <laughs> so she had a double fistful of condiments. <laughs> and you know what happens when you double fist. It's a bad idea. Um, mm. So, you know, they're kind of eating lunch there. And the funny thing is it cuts to the two girls that are sitting kind of on the other side of the room. And they're like, man, those two act like they're already a married couple and everything. And... Uh, <laughs> Um, I forgot what the one girl is. She has a crush on uh, uh, Ayumi, or however you say his name. You think by now? I yeah, it, her, name is, her name is her uh, name is or Hiramitsu. Yeah, Hiramitsu. Um, and they're just like oh, I don't know. Um, so of course, uh, Aikawa he always stays until it's dark because he doesn't want to dry up when he's walking home. So. He's... Actually, before that, it cuts to another scene where um, you see a delivery truck in front oh, yeah. of Ayakawa's uh, uh, residence, and Haruka like apparently ordered some of these. <laughs> I don't know how to really describe this up, but they're glowing eggs, and yeah. she calls them the fresh, high-grade, sparkly egg. Yeah, and the thing is, like right before she opens it, guess what she said, Tito? Yes. <laughs> yeah, she she promotes the show. Yeah, she goes kita kita. See. Even in the shows, they like it. You know? Yeah, they they did it intentionally because so they knew we, we were going to pick it. Yeah, um, they, they intentionally told us to do this show. Um, I I love that. When I saw that, I paused it and watched it twice. I'm like, oh, maybe we'll, we'll have to change our intro to have her say it instead. Yes, maybe we will. <laughs> maybe we will. Maybe not. Even though I kind of like the one we have. Um, so. Uh, Aikawa, he's like leaving and he kind of sees a, like a light coming off in the science room. So he goes over there and lo and behold, guess who he sees is the uh, little girl drinking again. <laughs> and, and this is the greatest part too because he walks in and he thinks it's one of the megalos, which is the force that are trying to, I guess, get the Maho Shoujos because they're attracted to their magic. But no, instead, she just kind of turns around and goes like, oh, hi. And then out of nowhere, she starts, she goes, and it's just vomiting rainbow. Yeah, and she just passes out. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just going like, oh, wow. Because they keep on saying that she, she's a hallucination. I'm like, oh, how would you love to have a hallucination where you're, it's just vomiting rainbows. I mean, how can it not be a hallucination yeah. then? Man, if I had a dime for every time I took care of a friend who vomited rainbows, I'd be broke. Um, <laughs> um, so, you know, so 
he goes home and uh he tells them about it and they're like oh you're you're just crazy you because one of the girls thinks he's a pervert already since he is a cross-dressing zombie magical girl <laughs> um <laughs> and when when they go back to school his uh, best friend shows him this magazine he's like look there's this cross-dressing guy that has a chainsaw that was saw but that was uh caught in the graveyard the other night or something or they got pictures of it and they're like whoa that kind of looks like aikawa and they're like no 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 way and the girl um uh hiramatsu here, here me too I hear Mitsu is trying to defend him, like saying that that can't be him because he's not the kind of guy and everything. He's also like, actually, that is me. I am like that. I do that. I'm sorry. And he's just like, it was just so funny because at this point, he gets like, so he's like going, I just can't do this anymore. So he like leaves. I'll just like kind of like playing it off and then just bolts down down there, goes to the nurse's office and tries to find the fairy you know his imagination hallucinal fairy and goes and says oh you found out about me blah 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 and then all of a sudden it's like you see this hand just like gropes his butt uh, oh that was that was traumatizing <laughs> you can explain what happens right now that uh, oh man <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, like kt doesn't seem to really enjoy the show as much as i find this hilarious is that they have this big thing about that Maho shoujos are since these uh, megalos are you know, attracted to Maho shoujos, they always seem to come on to him because he he reeks the power of a Maho shoujo. So he, like they grab his butt and they're saying they're like, oh, I want you, I need you, and and he's just kind of like grabs. He's like going, yeah. <laughs> so no, it, it, this is what gets me though is after uh, after uh, Aikawa, he realizes what happens. You didn't mention what happens to the um, what the guy turns into. No, I was just getting to that because when he thinks out of the megalo, it turns into you know what I would expect from this show—a giant squid with tentacles. <laughs> with tentacles. Oh man! Oh, and I'm like, oh wow, this show. I, I yes, I don't know how to. It's not. It's. It's not an anime like this if you cannot actually have your tentacles. I don't even know how I can explain this anime to people, to be honest. You can't. With honestly, this show, you really can't explain to people without getting a strange look without them having to see it. Because this really is one of those animes uh, you just got. It's just like, just shut up and watch. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Um, at this point, Haruka comes in. And just says like, oh, uh, like I'm the Maho Shoujo. So she transforms. She's about to go whip this uh, Megalo's butt and everything, which his name is. I put it in here somewhere. Oh, there Mollusk it is. Um, Icarus. 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 And when she goes to do that, uh, Ayaka was just like, Haruka, you're back. You're back. And it shows like her whole back is just completely exposed. Yeah. This is another running gag in the show is that the, the the supposedly the true magical girl she can't transform and every time she does she ends up naked because her costume disappears after after she does the sailor moon transformation yeah. sequence well it's, it's because that you know from for those who remember that uh, ayakawa absorbed the powers of maho shoujo because of his zombie powers that he didn't know he could do so uh haruka's been steadily trying to replenish uh, re- her magical powers and everything and she had enough to where she could at least be fully clothed in the front yeah. but not the back um, so, um, all of a sudden, Aikwa, he uses his superhuman strength and just, uh, punches the squid out, 
out of the uh the funny thing is when the squid transforms he's still wearing like his trench coat or something yeah it's like you're, it's wearing like a school uniform basically like a delinquent like the stereotypical so-called delinquent school uniform and they all do for and i still haven't figured out why yeah so he punches it out into the schoolyard where the track is and everything and uh so and then all of a sudden you know he's out in the sun so Aikala is starting to dry out and stuff and uh Haruna she's like throws him the chainsaw it's like it's like ah oh, dang it I have to and it's like don't worry you can erase everybody's memory after so he <laughs> transforms into the magical girl and the funny thing is every it just shows you how how like in the Power first episode, in the first up, season, yeah. everybody is surrounding him. You know, they're taking pictures, and he's just kind of like going, like, oh, oh not, again, not again, not again, not again, not again. And everyone's like, what a pervert, a cross-dressing pervert. It's like, I yeah, can't his, believe you. His friend, his friend, uh, um, Oreo, Orino, is just kind of like, you're a pervert. Yeah. And now, at this point, after a very long discussion, um, he is just, he's, as he's transformed, I should say. Um, the the squid is just goes like, also oh, you are the Maho Shoujo. All the more better. He's like, what? You really do swing that way? And he's like trying to avoid all his tentacles. And yeah. At which point he cuts one off, and everyone's just going like, oh, oh my god, that chainsaw is actually real. He's like, I know. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. like I got a glimpse under the skirt, and he's actually wearing panties. And he's like, isn't it true? Yeah. He's just like agreeing with everybody because it's true. And then like so, and then to finish off the megalo. He kind of just unleashes his power to a thousand percent. And the the gag about this is the more powerful he gets, the the cuter he gets. So, it, like, roses start <laughs> popping up and everything. And, like, he, he gets kind of, like, the Sailor Moon robe ear flap things on there. <laughs> and Haruna's like, you can't get any cuter! <laughs> Haruka's just going, like... Just do it, and then so he unleashes his full power and everything, and gives the Mysterian kick. And that the running gag on this too is just like that's not a kick, and they cha- they chainsaw like right in half, right in half. But, and um, so after that, it destroys the Megalo, which is like a triple A level one. And uh, you look at the chainsaw; it's like partially cracked. And it's like, and he starts saying the incantation to just like erase everybody's memory, but it's not working, and the chainsaw is cracking more and more. And as he's like throwing it back and forth. He and he eventually breaks the chainsaw, and then everybody still remembers that he's a cross-dressing magical yeah. girl. Yeah, because um, Mastillion is the chainsaw's name, and it's like an old man in there because it's pretty much you know, it's an old chainsaw. He's just kind of like, "Give me a second, give me a second. and then he's just like, "Stop that, stop that!" and just you <laughs> <laughs> just and then because the, he broke the chainsaw. He lost basically the powers too, and now he's in front of everybody. But naked. In his birthday suit. Oh, yes, yeah. in his birthday suit. So now that everybody knows that he is the chainsaw wielding cross dressing pervert, that's pretty much where this uh, first episode ends off. And that's almost what I'd expect from the first episode <laughs> of Cornwall to be. To be honest, from the yeah. first season, and, and then I love how he just destroyed a giant squid that was attacking the school, and everybody's just concerned that he's a cross-dressing streaking freak. <laughs> yeah, and it's like this this tentacle being that has um, Hiramitsu. They didn't even like focus on that at all, and 
even though like they recorded everything, like him, his whole battle, his whole transformation, and things, stuff, they just kind of like, oh my god, he is a pervert, and he's wearing girls clothing in it. He got like ten times more perverty, and this all they can focus on. It was it's the ongoing joke with this, and it, it, I find it funny. Yeah. So next kinda, episode, kinda they find me of our high school, right? Huh? Kind of reminds me of high school. Normal yes. High school, right? yeah. Well, this is probably the most unnormal high school you can really get to. But in the next episode, they show Ayakawa in front of one of the police boxes where he finds Sarah, which is the vampire ninja, yeah. to meet him, and he and she just knocks him down in a few more notches yeah. just for good measure. I, I love what the I, I love what the officer tells him to. It's like I never want to see you here ever again. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, it, it's like he he just. I call was just literally just done, gone, depressed, you know, doesn't matter. But when he gets home, this is the kicker, too, because they have this called Yotoib, which is the equivalent to our YouTube. And they have him, they have his, the whole thing on there. And he's just kind of like, God, I mean, Haruka and you are sitting there like watching this. And like, oh, my and- God, I can't believe it's gotten so many views. <laughs> yes. And it was just, it was horrible. So, next step, next day, he gets into school and everything. And he's trying, he's just like going, oh, I just got to face the music and everything. He gets in there and everyone's just kind of like, there he is. This is the great Ayakawa. And they're just like, wait, what? It's like overnight, because of his perverted cross dressing ways, it became fashion. Yeah. He, he, <laughs> he's like a uh, overnight internet superstar. And everybody's like, oh my God, can I get your autograph? Do you have a girlfriend? You know that kind of fandom right there, and um, he, he can't <laughs> and, take it, and especially his friend. Uh, what was it? Orin. Orino. 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 Um, yeah. kind of just turns turns his back on him because he's he doesn't like that he's popular. So what does Aikwa do? He just runs off again. too? It, it, it probably didn't help too that um. Here, me too. Kind of says, you know, you have you have nice legs. He just kind of likes like that was it, just poof, gone. <laughs> um, that was it was like horrible because she's like trying to compliment him in her own way, but she just doesn't seem to help him at all. Yeah, and she what happens is he ends up running to the science lab again, and there we are, magical drunk fairies there again. <laughs> yeah, and just at, at this point, just. Gives them some more advice saying that you shouldn't really worry about it. You know, like it takes it takes this X amount of time. I can't even remember what number she put in there yeah. saying that um, gossip only lasts for this much time. And he's like, oh, 72, 72 days. Okay, now I'll just have to do this. Then that's where. Uh, that's wow. Well, I just well, had a brain fart. Sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> um, this is where he leaves and everything, and he meets up with uh, Torima and suggests that. She that he joins her in the mountains, and he just goes, you know what, that is a good idea. So he kind of mentions it to everybody in the and when he gets home that he's gonna like go to the mountains, and you is just like you're gonna become a hermit. He's like, I just really just want to be away from everybody right now, you know. So then he kind of mentions that he's gonna be with Tor- Torgami or. Uh, I don't I know, know why her. it's like they. It's, her, name her. Is, her name is Yuki. So. Yeah, I know her. It's Yuki. So. I just put Yuki because they're gonna probably use her her, her her real name in there. So. But that was another running gag because you could write Yuki the same way as uh, 
Tomorori, and everybody would always call her Tominori, even though her name is Yuki. Um, so they kind of they kind of give her this look. Usually, the look I give Dito when he has an idea. Um, <laughs> so they they meet at the train station, and you know you you see uh, uh, Aikwa there, and then all of a sudden you just see the rest of the gang coming along. It's like, oh, you're not alone, and. <laughs> They're like, uh, no, it's like that's not a problem. It's like, oh no, that's not a problem. Um, and uh, so what happens is when they're hiking to the spot, uh, Haruna, she's like, all right, hold on, I gotta take a bathroom break, and wanders off into the forest. And they're like, you know, there's no bathrooms there. It's like, I know. And so she's gone for a while, and they're just like sitting there talking. And uh, they're like, "What's taking her so long?" And so they, he he want so. Uh, Ayakawa decides Aikawa, to go look for Tarna, yeah. uh, and this is the probably the funniest thing too, is because Yuki decides to join her or join him. Sorry, and at this point she kind of trips and everything. He had this little bracing moment, and Ayakawa was just like, "You know, I want to thank you for you know like bringing me out here." And, all this fun stuff, and then here comes Haruka, or yeah, Haruka, or Haruna. I want to say Haruka now. I'm thinking of Guilty Crown all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, Haruna comes, comes just running and going like, be, be, and then always she... be ambitious. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what? I know, I'm like, what? And the, and that's what she says because she's unlike most of these things. She was saying that in English, and I know English. <laughs> And yeah, she she said in English, "Boys, be ambitious," and I'm like, "What in the world?" And yeah, and, and it, at this point, it cuts in it cuts into the you know the, the the commercial, and it comes back, and apparently she's being chased by a bunch of bees, and at this point, everyone just bolts the opposite direction where Harnet like grabs Ayakawa around the waist and he's, she's just like oh you are you hugging me and she's just like Ayakawa shield and throws <laughs> him into the bees like into the mist. saw this coming and then he turns into to like you know you, you see those on TV when the guy's just covered in bees and he's like running away and out of all the places he runs into he runs into this giant bear <laughs> that's coming after him so you know um when he he's running away from the bears, and then he trips over a branch, and you you know when you trip, sometimes your hand flies out. He just happens to catch the waistband of uh, Sarah's pants, and then you just see Sarah's panties for no apparent reason. It's like you better have a good explanation for this. And he's like, uh, 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 I, I I I wish I had a really good explanation for this. Oh, the greatest thing is he was like, I'm gonna try to do one here, and as soon as he tries explaining it, uh, Sarah just goes. Poof! Pokes him right in the eyes. Yeah. He's like, at least let me try to explain. Um, and then th- this is the most random scene after that, too. After that scene, you see Haruna cuddling with a bear that was chasing after them. <laughs> and the only explanation was, is like, you're lucky I know how to how to talk to bears. At, or I know how to communicate with animals. And it's just kind of like going, you're going to at least help me out with that before. Yeah. <laughs> so at this point, you know, they all get to the top of the mountain and they have they see the shooting stars and everything, and this is about where uh, Kawa realizes, you know, and I should just accept, like, toss away the old me, and so they 
this is where he comes in that whole monologue when they're on the trains, like, and Haruka, Haruka, Harna, blah. Now I'm saying Harna. that again. Harna is. Is Haruka going to be our new the eggs, the eggs again. There's the yeah. egg box launch to uh, Yuki, and she's just kind of like going. Like everybody can never get enough of this. Apparently, it's just so good that you can always, every day, eat these eggs. And yeah, it's it's just the ongoing joke that I just accept because yeah, because they're glowing golden eggs. They're glowing golden eggs. I want to try. I know, me too. I want I want some of those because everybody seems to love them. Um, yeah, so Aikawa says goodbye to his old self and embraces his new self. And he's like, yes. gets into school and everything. And he's sitting there, like, signing autographs and everything. He's like, I say goodbye to my new self now. <laughs> um, so, you know, he, after his day of, you know, being a celebrity and signing autographs, um, he's walking down the stairs and, uh, how do you say her name? Uh, Savarati. Or Sa- Saver- Savarati. I think that's the best way you can put it down is, like, Savarati, which is. Um, a part of the other ninja, uh, vampire ninja clan that knows Sarah. And she's been kind of stalking Ayakawa for yeah. quite some time now and gives him a letter and he's about to sign everything. He's like, don't you dare do that. Put it under water. Yeah. So he goes, goes to one of the drinking fountains, you know, puts his, uh, put it under itself and it says, you're my darling piece of shit. And he's like, what? And she's like, he understood my message. Yeah, and he's just kind of like going, "Who would write this?" Like, this is the quintessential. Like, if you could put the saying "love hate relationship" into a person, it's this girl right here. Yes, Savarati is probably the quintessential of love hate relationship. So he goes in the classroom and he finds Orino there. And he tries to explain, like, dude, why'd you, you know, why'd you run off like that? And he's like, well, you're such a celebrity now. You know, I just don't know if I can, like, accept the fact you're a cross-dressing pervert right now. So, you know, just give me some time. Um, yeah, so he, he kind of just runs off. And um, Aiko was like, what? <laughs> I haven't changed. And, turn, and the great thing is he turns around and there's Savarati there again. And it's just kind of like saying that you're my darling piece of crap and – then I just and she's just and he's like what and he's like I will never betray you so blah, blah and so like and just like walks off and he's just kind of like left there so confused he's like what just happened yeah and then out of the mo- the most random things at, at the end of this episode it cuts to um you know as wacky as this anime is it is wacky it cuts to like a serious scene for once and it's uh, Dai Sensei and uh, what was his name Kyoko. Which we, yeah. we we meet halfway through the first season. She's kind of nuts. Um, and like it looks like Dai Sensei is like interrogating her, trying to get something out of her. So I'm really curious what that's going to happen. Yeah. So first two uh, first two episodes of the second season is pretty much follows exactly into what you just left off into from the first series. Yeah. And believe me, if it doesn't make sense to you when you're watching us or when you're listening to us. Watching it, it still doesn't make sense. Like, well, it makes better sense because you know, there, KT lot, hasn't even finished the first yeah, season. Yeah, there's yet, a, there's, so. a, there's a lot of inside jokes that carry along with it, but it's crazy. It's weird. Nuts. It, it's kind of like what happens when Dido and I get together and throw ideas against each other. Yes, uh, we bounce off each other pretty well, and, and this that's why you should the watch the way. pre-show. If you watch the pre-show and the post-show, it's. Pretty much what would happen if that turned into an anime. 
Um, yes, if Akita uh, turned to anime, I think it would be very close to Koriwa's Zombie Desuka. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and, well, that's all our animes we got for this week. I know we're going a little long this time, but, you know, we kind of had to give you a little bit of intro for all these three animes that we picked. Um, but if you have any feedback on it, kita at ktdata.net. I'm begging you guys. Seriously. Why won't anybody send us emails? I'm, I'm I think I scare people. I, I really honestly think I scare people from saying his emails because then they may, they, I will read them. <laughs> I will read emails and I think no one really wants to hear yeah, me do it. Yeah. I don't know. But, you know, so make sure you guys check us out when we do it live. Like I said, talking about our pre and post shows, you only can see those live. So make sure you come at ktdata.net slash live and our next live one's going to be uh, May 8th in yeah. two weeks and we yes, and yeah, yeah. and we, we we usually start somewhere between 7 to 10 somewhere in that time. give or take <laughs> um, give or take yeah um, make sure you guys check out ktdata.net um, one thing that I always always forget to mention is that if you check the show notes for all the Kita Anime podcasts, I actually give you links to watch all, where you can find all these episodes, and they're all legal too. It's not none of this illegal shenanigans right there. They're usually from like Funimation's website or on Crunchyroll. So if you watch them, it helps support these animes and helps get them over here to the U.S. too. So yes. Um, Make sure you guys check it out. And plus, Dito writes a bunch of crap on ktdata.net. Right? Yeah, check out my shenanigans because uh, by next week itself, I should be getting my box of loot, which is include some IS figures, some more Figmas. I'm going to be getting a skin of Neptunia, Hyperdimension Neptunia, and actually some uh, Persona 4 uh, business card holders. Ooh. Not to mention, too, I also want to announce, too, in two months, everybody, KT Data, KT and I, are going to be heading down to Anime Expo 2012. That's going to be exciting, you know. And speaking of boxes, Dito, I just got a bag of crap today. And you guys look, you know, that's the thing I, everybody loves to watch is watch me open a bunch of crap. So yeah. make sure you keep an eye out that. You'll see disappointment, intrigue, suspense, all of that at ktdata.net. Um, that's all I got. Do you have anything, Dito? I got nothing. Alright guys, so we will see you in two weeks. You guys have an awesome two weeks. Until then guys, bye! Bye! <laughs> Bounce, Dito! I don't got a bouncy ball like you. Her name is Coco. She is Loco. I say, oh no. And when I say I hold the keys, I do not mean I'm Hagrid. Are you the key master? It's called the keeper of the keys. Did you not read the stupid books? Are you the key master? Because I'm the gatekeeper. Video as a recording. Audio has been recording for a while. Apparently. All right.
Let's hope I don't sniffle too much on thing. I need to get a cough switch. Oh, come on. It'd be like the day I did when I was sick. Yeah, but my microphone picks up more. Well, I was just, I was muting myself while doing it. I don't have like a mute switch. These are all knobs. I have one right here. So I have to turn and it's knobs. Just me. I have to turn knobs when I do this kind we, of stuff. And it sounds really weird when I'm doing this. Right? I worry that, looks that I... really weird. I, I really worry that uh, I heard a toilet flush in the background. You heard that? Yes. 